Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Fullmetal Alchemists by Hiromu Arakawa. I'm Kayla. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kazum. Today we're discussing chapters 32 and 33. Just Yay! two. <laughs> Yay! Oh, wait, I'm supposed to say woo. Woo! Oh. <laughs> it can be yay, too. Okay. <laughs> Some kind of positive affirmation. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Get excited. I am excited. <laughs> Actually, before we start, I just want to say that I'm very pleased with all the feedback we got about Clone Jesus and whatnot on our last episode. <laughs> 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 and our casual blasphemy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our casual blasphemy and uh, what was it? Amateur religious philosophy. Amateur religious mm-hmm. philosophy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the most feedback we've gotten on an episode so far. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be our slogan. <laughs> Amateur religious philosophy or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or exactly or what? That. Yeah. <laughs> oh, esoteric, and- esoteric it, bullshit was yeah. what we were talking about last time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and casual. Also, philosophy. I'm really pleased because. I was like, when were we talking about Clone Jesus? Because I remember like hearing it when I was editing it, but I had to listen all the way through the episode again, all the way to the like the very end. So I'm happy that people listen to all the random crap that I cut into the end that I think is funny. <laughs> so I was doubly pleased. So anyway, we should be proud of ourselves is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, Ellen's done killing the momentum. I'm done. <laughs> oh, wait, I hope everybody had a happy new year. I wasn't done yet. Oh, yeah. Had oh, yeah, a good holiday. Holidays. And- yeah, I forgot that we weren't here. During, we, or we, yep, we took our break. We survived 2020, guys. If you're we listening did to this, we all survived. We did it. If you're listening to this, you made it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that well, or you're very technologically advanced ghosts. Yes. <laughs> Any ghosts out there, let me know what the afterlife is like. Yeah. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> For more esoteric bullshit. A haunting whisper comes through the recording. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> It was as bad as 2020. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's anyway. to a better new year. Let's start it off with some FMA. Yeah, I guess. Best way to start off. <laughs> yeah. There's no child dismemberment this time, so it's a good way to ease back into it. Not, not that I, I mean, I guess it depends on how you feel about uh, Ed's automobile arm. But, uh, <laughs> hmm. And is he a child? He's a teen. It, there's some teen dismemberment, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Also, he did it himself like a gecko, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I made Kayla genuinely laugh. It always warms my heart when that happens with a bad joke. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, I guess we could talk about it. Great segue. (laughs) Yep. Uh, We'll do our our usual thing. We'll do our uh, recap and uh, then get on into the Recap summary thing? Yeah, recap summary. Yeah, the recap summary thing. (laughs) That thing. (laughs) <laughs> all right so chapter 32 opens back in usewell the coal mining town from like what chapter three yeah i don't know it was so long ago <laughs> it's a while ago <laughs> i was like oh hey it's kyle again yeah or kyle as i call him kyle. In my head. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so kyle runs to bring his dad lunch where he's working within one of the mines on his way however he literally steps on a young girl lying face down in the middle of the road Mm-mm. She has long dark hair pulled into multiple braids, and a tiny, tiny panda also lies face down beside her. It's so small. <laughs> it's very tiny. <laughs> Without lifting her head, she weakly asks the very startled Kyle where she is. He tells her that she's in the usual cold mines. 
Is that in the country of Amestris? She asks, and when he confirms that it is, she bolts straight up. We did it, Xiaomei, she cries, tearfully embracing her tiny panda friend. We crossed the great desert and made it here at last. She then promptly collapses, stomach growling, and Kyle reluctantly offers up his father's lunchbox to her. Because he's a good boy. It also has a love inside on the, it does. On the rice. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. When the lunchbox is thoroughly picked clean, the girl earnestly thanks Kyle for saving her. I almost died of hunger before I could complete my mission, she says, dabbing at her eyes with a handkerchief. With a panda on it. <laughs> yeah. The panda oh. also dabs at its eyes with a tiny handkerchief of its own. <laughs> Kyle says that it was nothing, then introduces himself, and the girl responds in kind. I'm Mei Chang, and this is Xiao Mei, she says. We're from Shin. Like the country Shin? Kyle asks in surprise. You came all the way from the Far East, on the other side of the Great Desert? Mei confirms, bashfully adding that they got lost in a sandstorm and she wasn't sure they would make it. That's amazing, Kyle says. Why'd you go through all that trouble to come here? We came to find the secret of immortality, she says with a cheerful smile. The panda smirks with a little, like, star grin. Mm. Yeah. Xiaomei <laughs> yeah, is a little unnerving sometimes. Yeah. yeah. The panda can drink like hell, as we're about yeah. to see. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry I've interrupted you a lot today <laughs> so far. It's okay. But look at that tiny panda. Just look it's at so him. so tiny. Or her, I guess, maybe. Anyway. I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a girl panda. Well, it's May and Xiaomei, so it's like May and yeah. Little May, right? Little May. Yeah. <laughs> we know one thing about Chinese. Yes. We're on the road. <laughs> I learned that from Cardcaptor Sakura. Sakura. <laughs> yeah. The little wolf. Yeah, Sharon. Sharon. <laughs> Doesn't everybody know that? <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Please continue. Anyway. I'll be quiet now. <laughs> we came to find the secret of immortality, she says with a cheerful smile. Before Kyle can fully react to that, a loud crash sounds in the distance. Kyle quickly jumps up and hurries off toward the mines, May following behind. He meets up with some of the other miners, who tell him that there was a cave-in, and the mine his father was working in just collapsed. Horrified, he dashes off toward the mine. He stops to stare at the collapse, the rocks and debris still shifting and dust still rising, then tries to head further in before another miner grabs him and stops him. The cliff is still crumbling. Do you want to die? My dad's in there, Kyle yells, tears in his eyes. Do you expect me to just stand back and watch? Let me go. You know, you don't have to go over there to help him, May says calmly from behind them. She drops a set of kunai-like knives into the ground, point first, and then uses a stick to sketch out a five-pointed star connecting them and then a circle around it in the dirt. Don't move, please, she says, and then throws another set of knives across the collapsed walkway and into the cave-in around the mine entrance. Then she puts her hands down on the circle. A crackle of alchemic energy rises from it, but it activates a transmutation over the mine where the knives landed. The brick and wood of the entrance knit themselves back together, clearing the opening while Kyle and the others look on, stunned. Voices emerge from the mine, and then Kyle's father and the other miners stumble out, injured but okay. That's my way of paying you back for the meal, May says with a smile, and the miners cheer and continue the now much simpler rescue effort. Later on, they have a celebratory meal at the bar with a little more encouragement of underage drinking. Especially for the panda. Yeah, well, we don't know that the panda's underage. <laughs> yeah, what's a one human year in panda years? <laughs> or one, one panda year in human years? We'll never know. <laughs> Kyle's father remarks that this is the second time he's been saved by an alchemist, and they all tell May about the Elric brothers who came to their town. They describe Ed in terms that make him seem very dashing indeed, and May's romantic mind quickly generates an image of the perfect shoujo fantasy dream guy version of Ed, <laughs> who is, among other inaccuracies, very tall. <laughs> He's very kakui. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she excitedly asks if she would be able to meet him. They tell her he's with the military, so she could probably track him down that way, and May immediately declares that she's going to find Edward Elric and learn this country's alchemy from him. She thanks everyone for the food and heads immediately for the train station. Wait for me, Master Edward. I'm coming to you, she thinks dreamily as the train rolls off into the sunset. Kyle and his father watch her leave, then realize they didn't tell her how short Ed is. <laughs> it's obviously an important factor. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, in Rush Valley, Winry has obviously settled in well with her new apprenticeship. Her master, Garfield, tells her to wrap up and take a break, and she steps outside, cheerfully greeting a passing customer. Then a suspiciously happy voice calls out, Hello there, Winry! It's Ed now, greeting her with bright smiles and a little too much enthusiasm. <laughs> She's happy to see them until, still smiling, they reveal Ed's severely damaged arm, and the rage of the gods fills her mind. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that panel where it just oh, like yeah. switches to. <laughs> She's still smiling, but then it has mm -hmm. like a Rygene or whatever behind her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nina hops down with her toolkit and lets Garfield know she finished fixing the roof, then asks about the ruckus she just heard. Some of Winry's friends, Garfield says, and Panina excitedly concludes that it must be Alan. Ed? <laughs> this pile of goo used to be him, Winry says, standing over his beaten body with a wrench. <laughs> Back in the real world, Alan and Panina chat while Winry looks over the damage to Ed's arm. Alice pleased to hear that Panina followed through on giving up her thieving ways. These days I got an honest trade, she says proudly, explaining that she's pretty good at doing construction up on rooftops and such. And Dominic has even started to accept some money from her in repayment for her automail legs. So how are you guys doing? She asks, and Al says, Well, we've made a little progress, I think. Meanwhile, Winry despairs over Ed's lack of progress in keeping his automail in one piece. He changes the subject and asks her how her training is going, and she excitedly shows him plans for a machine gun automail. <laughs> are you turning into a mad scientist? He asks. <laughs> she tapes up the exposed mechanisms of his arm and asks if they had any luck at their teacher's place, and Ed gives pretty much the same answer as Al. It's slow going, but they're making progress. Jotting down some notes on the damage, she says that that's good, at least, because she would have been really mad if he'd wrecked his automail for nothing. Well, where are you going next to break my automail, she asks. I don't go places just to break it, he protests. But he tells her they were thinking of heading back to Central to do some research. Winry excitedly says that she's been wanting to go to Central, too. She wants to visit Mr. Hughes and his family again and thank them for letting her stay with them last time. Ed now remember that they also never thanked Hughes properly for all the help he gave them when Ed was in the hospital. And we all softly whisper, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> Garfield gives Winry permission to take some time off after all her hard work, and she and Al happily decide to travel to Central together, which is adorable. Mm. Yes. Too bad it's going to be sad. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Winry finishes her check of Ed's arm and heads off to get the parts she needs, and Ed and Al wander off into town to kill time while they wait. Ed declares that Rush Valley is really boring since it's nearly all automail shops. But Al is happy because everyone just thinks he has full body automail so he can walk around in peace for once. Ed, on the other hand, has to fend off various mechanics ready to jump on this potential customer with the busted automail. He escapes one such group and then notices Al crouched near the entrance to an alley. You find a stray or something? He asks warily. And Al turns and presents not another kitten, but a young man passed out cold in the street. Put him back where you found him, Ed says. <laughs> but of course they don't, and instead bring the stray human to a restaurant where he happily eats them out of house and home and dramatically thanks them for saving his life. I never expected to find such kindness so far from home, he says. Al asks where he's from, since he's clearly not from around here, and he says that he's from Shin. Ed now, startled, asks why he came all this way and how hard it was to cross the desert. The boy confirms that the desert was merciless and picks up a stick to sketch out a map of his journey in the dirt between the chairs. With the railroad totally buried in sand, I had to brave the wasteland with horse and camel. For the final stretch, I followed the route through the Xerxes ruins. Al points out that it would have been easier to travel by sea, even though it's a longer trip, and the boy says that it would have been, but he wanted to see the Xerxes ruins with his own eyes. Xerxes? But I heard there's nothing there, Ed says, and Al adds that there's just a legend that says it was destroyed in a single night. Ed asks if he's here as a tourist, and the boy says that he's actually here to gather information. I came to research your country's alkahestry, he says, which confuses Ed and Al. That's right, in a mistress you call it alchemy, he clarifies. In Shin we call it alkahestry. It has its roots in medicine. Your folk consider it a science, correct? I guess it's a cultural difference, Ed says. Our country puts military interests first. He takes a stick and begins to add to the boy's rough map of a mistress as he explains... 
Even now, we have continuous border conflicts with Aruga to the south and Krita to the west. In the north is the nation of Drachma. We signed a non-aggression treaty with them, but the only reason they don't attack us is because Mount Briggs acts as a natural barrier, so the situation is unstable over there, too. The boy notes that Amestra seems like a tough country. We've always had our share of quarrels, Ed adds with a frown, but it was only when Bradley became Fuhrer that war became our life. Al wonders if alchemy and Amestris might have developed more like in Shin to help people if they'd focus less on the military. And then asked the boy if he could teach them more about his country's alchemy, which Ed also eagerly expresses interest in. They introduce themselves as alchemists, and the boy happily shakes their hands. How lucky I am to have met such talented people, he says. My name is Ling Yao. It's an honor. They all sit back down, and Ed asks Ling if he can give them a demonstration of alchemy. I'm afraid not, Ling says cheerfully. I don't know how to do it. Then what are you researching alchemy for? Ed asks, exasperated. I'm looking for something, Ling says. Perhaps you lads have heard of it. The Philosopher's Stone. Ed and Al are immediately wary, and Ling's demeanor has suddenly become much less friendly. I'm dying to get my hands on it, he says. Know where I might find it? Nope, no idea, Ed says briskly. I guess we both said everything there is to say. See ya. Not so fast, Ling says, and snaps his fingers. Instantly, two masked figures in dark clothes appear behind Ed and Al. One holds a short knife to Ed's throat, while the other has a long sword pointed into the gap in Al's armor under his arm. Clearly you know more than you're letting on, Ling says with a smile. Tell me more, please. Why do you want the Philosopher's Stone? Ed asks, calm despite the knife in his throat. Ling grins. So I can learn the secret of immortality. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> <That's> <laughs> me, so I can learn the secret of immortality! There's an exclamation <laughs> point at the end. Even <clears throat> though he's smiling delicately. <laughs> Chapter 33 picks up exactly where we left off. Ed continues to act nonchalant. Immortality, huh? He says. Now that you mention it, we met someone else who wanted the same thing. Is this a new fad? Why do you want the secret of immortality anyway? Ling cryptically says that it's because of family matters, which Ed clearly isn't buying, though Ling insists he's being serious. Ed scolds Ling for his bad manners, interrogating people at knife point, then swings out suddenly with his fist toward his attacker. But the masked figure is too fast, flipping away acrobatically and striking back with a blow that brings Ed to his knees. The other one holding Al at bay irritably yells at Ed over his own manners for not answering the prince's questions, then quickly retaliates when Al politely tries to remove the sword from his side. <laughs> he's also incredibly fast and manages to take hold of Al's arm and toss him to the ground beside Ed. The boys gripe over how often they're getting beat up like this lately, then take the measure of their opponents. They must be using Shin martial arts. This isn't going to be easy. Still, they're not as tough as our teacher. And then the fight is truly on, quickly ranging away over rooftops and across the town. Ling watches them leave with a laugh, then orders some more food on Ed and Al's tab. Because <laughs> he, has, he has the good priorities. Right, I was going to say this is the easiest way to fight back. <laughs> Hit him in the pockets. Yes. <laughs> We catch up with Ed and his opponent first. They hop around some roofs and pipes. They trade some blows. Ed can't manage to land a hit, but he does avoid getting his non-metal arm broken, so good job there. <laughs> he complains internally that his opponent is moving around too much to get a good read on, but they also don't seem to be trying to kill him, so Ed falls back on his old strategy of yelling insults until he thinks of something. It's <laughs> a good strategy. It seems to work for him. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Izumi taught him that? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> she was pretty sassy in Devil's Nest, so maybe. <laughs> We just wanted to walk away, but your boss decided to grill us about the Philosopher's Stone. It's like he was trying to pick a fight. What's his problem anyway? What a jerk. I knew he was trouble the moment I saw his shifty eyes. What the hell does that idiot think? Ed's attacker lunges in suddenly with a quick direct strike, which Ed actually manages to effectively respond to, knocking his opponent down for the first time. Heh <laughs> heh, I've already found your weakness, Ed gloats, suddenly confident. Compared to fighting my teacher, this'll be a piece of cake. Elsewhere, Al has fallen upside down through a damaged rooftop and is taking a moment to consider his life choices. <laughs> Panina happens by as she was about to fix said damaged roof and asks Al what the heck he's doing. It's a long story, he says, and then right on cue, Ling's other lackey drops down through the roof and begins chasing Al. 
I think I get it now, Panina says, keeping pace with Al. Al says that saves him the trouble of explaining, and then he tells Panina that he has a favor to ask her. Al's opponent notices something weird about Al's armor body as he gives chase, but he doesn't have too much time to consider it, as Al and Panina suddenly turn around to face him. Did you think that one more ally would make any difference? He shouts. You fools. Before we can find out if it will, we cut back to Ed's fight. <laughs> he's doing much better now and is keeping up the insult tactic because he's realized that shit-talking Ling really pisses off his opponent and makes him fight in a way more straightforwardly aggressive and predictable manner that Ed can easily counter. He baits them into another wide swing that Ed ducks under to get close. Then he uses his alchemy to destroy his opponent's mask and get a look at their face. And to his surprise, it's a rather cute girl around his own age. <laughs> his startled reaction gives her enough time to throw a knife into the circuitry of his arm and then immediately arm and toss a bomb into the mix. The bomb goes off, and at the same time across town, Panina fires the gun hidden in her automobile leg at Al's opponent. The two simultaneous explosions catch the attention of all the poor Rush Valley residents. <laughs> Al's opponent is hurled backward and manages to catch himself on the large Rush Valley sign, but Al follows up quickly, using alchemy to bring himself up to the same level. And then we see the effects of his regained memories of the truth, as he puts his hands together for another transmutation and binds his opponent safely and securely to the sign. It didn't turn out like I wanted, Al says to himself, considering his hands. Not too bad for my first time, though. And then he turns and wonders how Ed is doing. Not great, it would seem, as his broken automobile arm juts out from the rubble from the explosion with no sign of movement. His opponent walks up, fretting that she went too far and that Master Ling will be furious with her. But when she tugs on Ed's arm, she finds it unattached to any body, and it triggers a snare trap that immediately has her suspended helplessly in the air. You shouldn't use things like that in a town, Ed scolds as he comes into view, casually picking up his detached automobile arm and slinging it over his shoulder. If it was anyone else, they'd have been dead. The girl is shocked that he sacrificed his own arm like that, and Ed explains... Inoperative automobile is just dead weight, so I took it off and used it as bait. I snared rabbits when I was a kid, so setting a trap like that was easy for me. Ed wonders what he should do with her, but she just tells him to give back her mask. Ed points out that she's really not in any position to be making demands, but he's distracted when Al and Panina come by with their own prisoner. Winry's gonna kill you when she finds out, Al says as they look at Ed's automobile arm. Then he sets down the other lackey, and they start questioning them on why their master is so interested in the Philosopher's Stone, which they refuse to answer. Hello, how goes it? says Ling, casually joining the gathering. <laughs> You got some nerve, Ed starts in, but Ling just laughs it off and apologizes for his companions being a little hot-headed. Of course, you two seem pretty hot-headed yourselves, he adds. If someone picks a fight with me, I fight back. That's a logical thing to do, Ed insists, while Al quietly despairs in the background over being put in the same category as his brawler brother. <laughs> <laughs> you lads are quite strong. I'm impressed, Ling continues, unbothered. Would you like to become my servants? We'll rule the country together. <laughs> Stuff your crazy talk and go back to shit, Ed saps. <laughs> Ling just calmly says he can't go home until he achieves his goal. And then the townspeople descend, having followed the explosions to their obvious source, and they start <laughs> complaining to Ed and Al about all the expensive damage they just caused, and also that unpaid restaurant tab. Hey, wait, Ed protests. These guys are going to pay for the restaurant bill and the other stuff. But Ling is already halfway out of town. I know speak this country language. Bye-bye, he shouts on his way out to Ed and Al's disbelief. <laughs> and then they notice his servants have disappeared, too. The townspeople crowd closer, several of them now recognizing Ed and Al as the ones who caused all the destruction last time they were here. And Ed protests that he can't fix anything, even if he wanted to right now, with his broken arm. Well, I guess there's no other choice. I'll do it, says Al, putting his hands together to transmute. You can do alchemy without a transmutation circle now, Ed asks. And then he has a little crisis of faith when Al confirms, <laughs> realizing that his superior alchemy skill was all he had over Al and wallowing in the loss of his pride as an older brother. <laughs> Al goes on to fix up the town, paying little attention to this. <laughs> From nearby, Ling watches this with his underlings. Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good you did a good job i apologize for our incompetence your highness the older one says but ling is unconcerned thanks to me collapsing in the street i got to meet some interesting people he says did you notice the man asks him 
That suit of armor. I did not sense the flow of key from him that all living humans should have. Ling did notice, and he adds that the little fellow seems to know something too, which he hopes is something to do with the secret of immortality. He looks unusually serious and thoughtful now, as he says, I suppose the quickest way to find out is to follow these guys around and ask them to teach me. His servant is appalled by the thought of his prince bowing his head to commoners like that, but Ling isn't too bothered. If all it takes is bowing my head, then I'd say it's a good exchange, wouldn't you? I can't afford to worry about appearances, not with the burden I'm bearing. He adds that they'll just take what they need if Ed and Al still refuse, and the three of them stand to go. But Ling pauses to look out over the Amestrian horizon. Am I imagining things? He wonders to himself. No, there's something not right about this country. A little later on, Ed has made it back to the automobile shop Winry works at to find a nasty surprise. Ling is back. <laughs> Cheerfully drinking tea with Winry's boss. <laughs> Two of them bicker for a bit over who owes who for the restaurant bill, over whether or not they're friends, and over whose eyes are more shifty, and then are interrupted by Winry's return. There's a lot of commotion on the main street, she says. Did something happen? And then she stops, catching sight of Ed holding his dismembered automail. After punishment has been doled out, Winry joins in on the tea and conversation with Ling, while Ed lies in a heap behind them. Ling seems very charmed by Winry, who is enjoying the flattery, and he takes her hand and wonders aloud if he shouldn't also find himself a bride once he finds what he's looking for here. This immediately rouses Ed back to the land of the living, and he urgently tells Winry that they need to go to Central really soon, so she should start on his automobile right away. <laughs> Central? Ling chimes in. Why, I'm heading there as well. Let me join you. Go there by yourself, Ed snarls. <laughs> Why not? We're friends, aren't we? Ling insists, while Ed literally tries to shake him off. <laughs> Good for you, Ed. You made a new friend, Al says, slipping out the door. <laughs> Meanwhile, out in the town, Ling's servants are frantically searching for him and hoping he didn't collapse on the street somewhere again. <laughs> Elsewhere, we catch up again with everyone's favorite weasel, Yoki. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> He's driving a small cart down a country road under the blazing sun, looking appropriately miserable. Excuse me, sir, he says, turning toward the opening of the cart. Can we stop and rest in the shade for a minute, Mr. Scar? And it is indeed Scar crouched in the cart, looking menacing as he cracks walnuts with his bare hands for some reason. Because <laughs> it's menacing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shut up and keep moving, he orders. Yoki hurriedly obeys, though he grumbles for a bit under his breath about how he doesn't deserve to be stuck escorting this nameless freak across the country. It's your own fault you can't go back to the slums, Scar points out, freaking out Yoki, who didn't think he could hear him. We're both exiles now. Yoki wisely keeps his next set of griping inside his head, then meekly turns and mentions that it's awkward to keep calling him Mr. Scar, and could he maybe tell him his real name? Scar is silent for a moment. Ishvalans take great pride in their names, he says eventually, because they believe that God bestowed them. Well, sir, I'm sure you have a fine name. I cast it away, Scar interrupts. I cast away my own name. He fiercely orders Yoki to continue on, which he does, terrified. To himself now, Scar continues. If I cannot turn back from my path, then I must take everything that God has bestowed upon me and cast it all away. And that's the end of chapter 33. <laughs> Everyone's on their way to Central, I guess. Yay. <laughs> it's going to be a party in Central. <laughs> It'll be a sad party because Hughes is dead. <laughs> We also had a significant portion of our last episode where we relived Hugh's death in reverse while we were looking something up. Yeah. <laughs> Which I forgot about until I was yeah, editing I and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much of this should I cut? Absolutely none of it. <laughs> was that where we're trying to figure out what he had found out? Yeah, we we're trying to figure out if he found anything out about like what he said. The plan. About... Yeah, we were looking yeah. up what he said. And basically he just said to the operator, not even to Roy, that the military was in great danger. Mm -hmm. And he also specifically said, like, I need to tell the Fuhrer about this. So he didn't suspect the Fuhrer. So mm -hmm. the conclusion that I made was that he didn't find out 
about the Fuhrer himself, at least. But I don't know. He probably found out about the Philosopher's Stone or something. About what mm -hmm. they did. What the research was. But he was holding, like, a map. Like, he was holding a bunch of shit. Anyway, it's very... We, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. The, the so, conclusion was we don't know and we relived a sad memory for nothing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so speaking of the Fuhrer, uh, something that I noticed that was kind of interesting is that, like, when Ed's talking about all the conflict and, you know, he's like, it wasn't this bad until Fuhrer Bradley became president, something like that. Yes. Um. I mean, for the most part, I've sort of seen respect and all that for the fear. I never, like, I don't know, there was a lot of, like, amnesty, and I don't know. I just, I feel like that's not something that we've seen in regards to the, the fear before, you Except know? Except for the whole genocide. Well, I guess that's true. <laughs> Except for the well, whole that, like, continuing yeah. conflicts. Yeah. Well, it said in the previous chapters that he was, um, like, he made his name on the battlefield. So, yeah. right. like, he became famous for, like, and that was fighting 20 years wars. ago also yeah. because they said mm -hmm. he became famous for fighting in his 40s and he became yeah. fear in his 40s mm -hmm. and now he's in his 60s so it was quite a while mm -hmm. ago yeah i mean yeah. i like there's been all that sort of that, that yeah that that hatred and stuff for the the actions that happened but like i don't know were they were they they never like singled out the 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 fear as sort of where that hatred was yeah. directed before i guess it makes sense that Nobody yeah, I think it's like just has said that. Yeah. 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 I think it's just now becoming suspicious to Ed since he knows that, like, the fear is kind of dodgy now, even though he doesn't uh, know the details. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he does know that now. <laughs> that makes sense. But yeah, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I think that was just him kind of like realizing something himself, like, as he said it, like, as he was explaining about all the wars and conflicts mm -hmm. that they have going on to Ling. He was just like, Hmm, this hasn't really been as big a thing until Bradley took office, and like, he's kind of suspicious. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now that I think about it, also he was a child, right? So he knows yeah. about these mm -hmm. things, but maybe it didn't... We know that it, some of it didn't directly affect him, because he lived in, like, Resimbul, I guess, which is a small town. Uh, it's mm -hmm. not really clear. Like, obviously, when his parents died and stuff, but, like, it's not like he was... Well, it sounds like the, the Ishvalan conflict, conflict was close to them. Yeah, because like Cause, uh, you know, there was Risenbul there was... is in the east. So. Yeah, yeah. But it seems like the other ones probably had little. Yeah. Yes. Well. So this um this is kind of a fun point in the series because this is like I think a hundred percent where it's now different from the first anime. Like, ooh, yeah. Like, I don't think there's really anything in common from now on except for like broad concepts. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. were Ling and May in the anime in the original two thousand three so. anime? Okay, that's what I thought. Mm -hmm. And there, and also a big reason why I prefer um, the manga and Brotherhood because I love the characters from Shin so much. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is Xiaomei your favorite tiny panda? <laughs> She's definitely my favorite tiny panda. <laughs> Number one favorite tiny panda. Yes. <laughs> uh, I like them. I don't know what to think about them very much yet. Yeah. yeah, they're pretty mysterious right now, but they're mm -hmm. they're really entertaining like additions yeah. to the story. Ling is oh, yeah. funny already. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, th I think he is my favorite character. Interesting. Yeah, I think he's at this point he's a little bit suspicious, like the fear. Personally, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. not in the same way, but he has a suspicious motive too. So, yeah, I really like his like, like his differing attitudes, like that you see in his introduction, where like. Yes. He starts off like real silly and like friendly and stuff and then like like turn flips a switch when he like talks about the philosopher's stone. Mm -hmm. And then he's like much more serious when he's talking to his uh, subordinates at the end. Yes. Yeah. And like much more serious in like a like like a not evil way like in a Concerned. like he's got yeah, he's got like serious thoughts on his mind. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. 
Yeah, it seems like he seems very concerned about the family issue that the reason that he's investigating and also deeply concerned about a mistress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like the something's rotten in the state of Denmark guy from from Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. As a side note, that panel is beautiful. It's where lovely. He's looking over the oh, yeah. skyline. <laughs> it's great. Where he's like, something isn't right. And it mm-hmm. looks like it's also the desert. Like, so Usewell's on the edge of the desert, based on what I'm or like well, kind of on Rush the edge Valley. of the desert. Oh, uh right, they're in Rush Valley, right? Yeah. Well Rush Valley. Well, May seems was to in be Usewell in... and Jing is in yeah. or not Jing, Ling is in um Rush Valley, yeah. Rush Valley. Yeah, I think Rush Valley is to the south-ish because it was kind of close to Dublin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like on the way to Dublin. It was Rush Valley, um, then Dublin. around but... like a mountainous area because they had to yeah. like go through all those like uh, Grand Canyon kind of mountains to get to uh, Dominic's place. Correct. Yeah. That's in the first Rush Valley chapters. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I assume on the other side of that is this like desert that they're talking about. Could be. I'm not 100% sure where. In my mind, Rush Valley is, is Arizona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He just said it's... Along with Tatooine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Tatooine's also in Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, he said it's near the desert and that... uh, What did you call it? I call it... So in my mind, I just call it Jean. That's what it's how it's written in Katakana. So... Mm -hmm. Jing? Uh, I would say say Shin. Shin or Shing. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like, like I've listened to the anime, and it sounds like they say Shin in the Japanese, and it sounds like they say Shing really? in the dub. Um, but I mean, all those sounds kind of sound the same. They're Jin, all similar Shin, enough. And, yeah. <laughs> My Chinese gets romanized in so many different ways. Yeah, because there aren't actually the same sounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It blew my mind when I first found out that Peking and Beijing are the same word. <laughs> the other thing about it that's interesting is the same written words are pronounced multiple different ways depending on like the Chinese language that you're speaking. So sometimes mm-hmm. a word or like the way that it's romanized is like the Cantonese way of pronouncing it versus mm-hmm. sometimes it's like the Mandarin way. And I think now it's yeah. like more standardized, but it's like, sometimes completely different or like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why Japanese... Um, Kanji have more than one reading, mm-hmm. more than one, like on your yeah. reading. And we're talking about Chinese because uh, Shin is obviously a, a China analog. Yes, it is in this in this fantasy world. So it is probably with some other um, East Asian countries mixed in, but perhaps yeah. I think it's definitely. Uh... Can't you tell because of the panda, the tiny yes. panda? Yes, <laughs> yeah, but obviously most strongly. Um, Jin, Shin, of China, Shin. I read it wrong. Shin, mm-hmm. Shin. Anyway, Sheen. Well, just pronounce it what feels. Yeah, we'll just pronounce it what feels right, and then someone else can yell at us if we're wrong. Uh, It's fine. (laughs) They can deal with it. But anyway, the point is, it's on the other side of the desert, as I said. So they had to cross this, like what I imagine is a huge desert that was difficult Mm -hmm. to cross. And also, I imagine that they're together and got separated, which is not clear, but that's how I feel (laughs) based on this. Yeah, there's definitely some um, some commonalities between the two groups, anyway. Yeah. True. Well, they're from the same, mm-hmm. from, the yeah, same from the same place, came across the same way, and are searching for the same thing. Well, yeah. did May say what she was looking for? I think well, she didn't say the Philosopher's Stone, but she said the secret of immortality. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, Kyle was like, what the fuck? And then the mind collapsed, so yes. right, she didn't we didn't elaborate. To, <laughs> mm-hmm. We didn't get to hear more from her yet. Yeah. She said it much more cheerfully than Ling did. <laughs> yes. Like, Russian. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, exactly. Well, he has the family burden that he's dealing with or whatever, so it's much more serious, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a traveling alkel- alkahestress 
Hestrist. Hestrist. Alchemist. Alcahestrist. Yes, I figured mm-hmm. it out. <laughs> I was writing my notes for this, and I noticed that alcahestry was not being autocorrected. So I was like, is that actually a thing? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Alcahestry is not, to my knowledge. Alcahest is. But alcahest is. Um, if we want to talk about that. Uh, we could. <laughs> we Unless, I feel like we should save that for the end. Maybe. That's fair. But yeah, well, we could talk about all the other things that are related to them that aren't, that mm-hmm. all the other things that happen. I think for yeah. actually, first, I think we should talk about, we check back in in Rush Valley. Winry's doing great at her apprenticeship, mm-hmm. right? And Panini is doing great. She's on the straight mm-hmm. and narrow now. Yes. So that's good. Working on roofs uh, yeah. with her fancy She's legs. Legit. Mm-hmm. And she started paying back Dominic, which is cute. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's nice to like have all these bits in Rush Valley with these characters again. And I liked yeah. it. Because yeah. I've talked before about how like easy it would be to just like leave Winry and Resident Bull and just like check in with her when like you really only when you really need her. But so it's nice yeah. to like spend some time here and see how she's doing and see how Panina's doing and everything. Mm-hmm. They're all doing And then she's gonna things. join them. Yeah. yeah, for the sad trip. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's cute. They're getting back together mm-hmm. and doing their little thing. It's cute. Yeah, I do love that panel where they're all like, let's go together. Like, they're all happy to, you know, be traveling together because they're friends and yeah. they like spending time together. Yeah, they're basically siblings or whatever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you didn't comment very much about Garfield, I noticed <laughs> in your summary. Yeah, he's kind of a... I don't know. He's one of those, uh, like, unfortunate stereotype characters that you see in the... Mm-hmm. Manga from around 2000s. this time period, yeah, yeah. But I kind of have mixed feelings on him because, like, obviously he's like one of those unfortunate stereotype characters, but at the same time, he's presented as a you know respected uh, automail engineer and someone that Winry is like fond of and respects and stuff. So I feel like he's just super effeminate. Yeah, yeah. And then, but then, yeah, I I also feel kind of torn. I feel like his actual character design and the way that he acts is like, uh, you know, like a hyperbole. Mm-hmm. or a caricature but yeah every, but he's like yeah he has his own shop and dominic recommended him and he's just like there doing his thing and nobody it's like yeah he's just as respected as everybody else mm-hmm. so yeah and yeah like i mean he seems like a very nice person like letting winry take breaks and oh, encouraging yeah. her to go to central mm-hmm. like i i can't remember if if there was one moment where it seemed like he hit on someone. Oh yeah, he was like teasing them. Like he was like, "Let me entertain you, boys," or something like that, and they left. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, the. I think, I think that that's was... the behavior that's the questionable. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think that's the only part of it that I see that like makes it yeah questionable. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think. I mean, again, there's his his image and and the the it does seem a little stereotyped, but um, I mean, he could just be dressing in a or like he yeah, kinda, he's mean, not it, even really it's... dress in a like an effeminate way, but he has this kind of like looks like he is meant to he's his face is like super um you know like he's super uh kept like his hair cuts really tight and stuff and he it looks like he's wearing makeup or something like it's very mm-hmm. lightly done mm-hmm. but uh that's my impression from the way that his face is styled mm-hmm. that could be a wrong impression that's just what i felt like yeah mm-hmm. so yeah it's like if he's just like chilling then it's fine but yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. the the over the top behavior for humor that's the part that's the problem problematic i think yeah but yeah like every other thing about him about his character is like yeah he owns his own shop he's successful he's a good mentor he's nice to win ray like mm-hmm. nobody nobody like teased him for acting that way or whatever so that was good mm-hmm. yeah all good yeah points. like i don't think yeah <laughs> like i don't think like 
I don't think Arakawa created the character with the intention of like making fun of the character or that kind of mm -hmm. like person or attitude or behavior or anything, but it's just kind of an unfortunate, like one of those like dated anime uh, caricature types. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I think that that might be part of the issue with it is that other animes have had similar design characters that were done really poorly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of pulling from that same sort of. Yeah. I'd say he's one of the less problematic versions of that but still yes. has some kind of yeah. things that you make you go oh. mm. so <laughs> yeah it was kind of like uh, but i didn't want to like not talk about him because yeah on the one hand yeah. he's also there doing mm -hmm. his thing but then on the other yeah. hand you have like the downside is the the yeah problematic behavior I would yeah say. i did want to address it but i just didn't it was hard to like you don't want to throw it in the summary. Reference. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You're like, and then we have like a problematic, like I guess, yeah. either super effeminate or uh, the implication to me, based on living through the early 2000 stereotypes, is like homosexual. Like that's mm -hmm. the, what she's going for, I guess. Yeah. But you know, but problematic. So yeah. <laughs> but then yet, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's hard. It's hard to be like I'm yeah. down with this because I'm not down with it 100. percent But I'm down with it like 90. Mm percent -hmm. <laughs> So yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, sort of a, like, these chapters probably came out in, like, 2005. It could have been way worse kind yes. of thing. But <laughs> I just, like, props to her for having a casual gay character, probably. Mm -hmm. Or casual yeah. effeminate Yeah, like, I think character. he's obviously intended as a positive character. Like, yeah. he's not, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's not, like, a 100% joke, and he's not a villain or anything, but... No. He adds... His behavior is there to add levity, but it's, like... I think the, that representation of is specifically the problematic part, but yeah, the yeah. rest is... I also feel like, I'm not 100% sure, but I think, like, in the canon itself, he's like, doesn't really do as much of the, like, flirting with the underage boys kind of thing. <laughs> um, I think yeah. he's mostly just, like, you know, like effeminate and Winry's master, like, from now on. I don't think there's as much of that in there. I know there is some in some of the side comics, like her, like, gag comics, mm. but... Yeah, I guess you could argue that everyone's behavior is exaggerated in the gag comics, though. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. And I mean, I think there's, like, super effeminate people, like, not not even necessarily just homosexual, but people who act in that way that in reality. So I'm yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. But it just feels like it's in a, you know, in a situation where you don't get to know anything more about his character. That's the problem where mm -hmm. it feels like sort of a problematic. Yeah. yeah. On a low depth representation if we can get the full background on garfield and his story yeah. <laughs> the garfield spin-off <laughs> spin-off manga bring back garfield yeah. <laughs> full alchemist another garfield <laughs> i love it mm -hmm. anyway that's my rant about that <laughs> yep so that's the that's, that's covered that. but yes <laughs> and they're going to central so that'll be good just in time to <laughs> see hughes right, right. yep yep <laughs> i guess it's been a I while that line just kind of like punches you in the gut because uh, she's like i wanted yeah. to like i want to see mr hughes and thank him and oh. it's like oh yeah. <laughs> it punched us in the gut the first time when they were leaving on the train yeah <laughs> and now this time now you've also. had like enough time to kind of forget about that like oh they don't know <laughs> yes well i mean a couple chapters ago we were reminded because of uh roy being like and were you the one who killed hughes to bury mm -hmm. the chopper mm -hmm. so we were like oh no it's still fresh and now it's like it's, it's still fresh yeah. <laughs> they don't know yeah i feel like you kind of forget that they didn't know until that moment though you're like oh, oh shit yeah. <laughs> and it hasn't been that long in real time in the story it's been a long time mm -hmm. for us it's been chapters and chapters and like if you were actually reading it in real time it probably would have been like months mm -hmm. you know depending on how 
you know, far apart the chapters were released, right? So yeah, because mm-hmm. it was like one at a time, week over week. Then it's been quite a while. So, mm-hmm. but how could you forget? Yeah, it's like a chapter a month when they were originally coming out. A month? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they're long, so I get yeah. it. But yeah. um, then yeah, so it's been a really long time, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably months and months. Months to years. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Oh, I was just going to say, like, the other thing that I think makes sense to talk about is, like, so we learned about more, we learned about more of the geography of Amestris and the surrounding mm-hmm. region this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Including some yeah, ruins that was, in the uh, desert. Yeah. Yes. I remember that little, like, map that they sketched out was very exciting at the time because it was, like... <laughs> oh, there's more? Yeah, the first time you really got, like, a glimpse of, like, what's going on outside of Amestris. Mm-hmm. So you got to... Yeah, I think I do remember that. And, like, I... I mean, yeah, because because they they brought it to Zing, Jing, they t- started talking about the different conflicts around, and it's it's just I don't know, like the the world just like increased in size dramatically, mm-hmm. right? Because everything before it had pretty much been focused uh, to this one country and like all that, and a few I cities. Because even Ishval is a part of Amestris, right? A, uh... Yeah, I think I think only. Once they brought up the the ruins before with um, I think it was in like a flashback with Ed and Al talking about different mm-hmm. um, alchemical mysteries. Yeah, they said a whole like town a... had been destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't oh, they didn't yeah. drop the name, but they're like, oh yeah, the philosopher yeah. from the east that mm-hmm. destroyed a whole town in one night or whatever. And I assume yeah. that that's the and place. Like, that's just a fairy about. tale. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. They did say, yeah, it's just a fairy tale, but mm-hmm. perhaps there's real ruins. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, seems so, to be. Seems to be. Seems but yeah, to be the related. fact that it's a town to the east that is supposedly disappeared in one night would make sense that it's the same town. And alchemy related, so Ling wanted to stop there too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Intriguing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they, we learned, we heard about that. And there's like multiple mm-hmm. border conflicts, which we kind mm-hmm. of knew about, but Ed also mentioned it yeah. now. So, we got. We got Arugo to the south, Krita to the west, and then Drachma to the north. Which is bordered by a mountain also. Yeah, there's like a mountain on the border that kind of enforces their non-aggression treaty. Which is helpful, I guess, because yeah. bringing armies all over the place in Amestris. <laughs> but yeah, and then Ed, like Cosm, like you were saying earlier, Ed mentions that it seemed like the conflicts really intensified when Bradley became the Fuhrer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have like five eyeball emojis after that in my notes. (laughs) And we've had some people like talk about it, talk about that a little bit before, not directly linking it to the Fuhrer, but the fact that there's a lot of like conflicts around the country. Continuing. Mm -hmm. Oh, most importantly, we learned. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say a small trivia thing. So Xerxes is obviously also the name of the, uh, you know, uh, Persian king who uh, attacked Greece. You probably know him from the movie 300. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the guy from 300. How could I have forgotten? Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the, you know, the historically accurate documentary 300. Yes. <laughs> I, I watched that instead of reading my history book. Does that help? <laughs> no. I've never seen 300, but um, I remember Xerxes from actual history class. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've seen um, like half of 300. But, <laughs> so you've yeah, seen 150? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 150. <laughs> 150 Spartans will sort of stand. <laughs> Here's your earth. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, fun fact, uh, Xerxes' wife was named Amestris. What? 
What? Oh. Coincidence. <laughs> Complete coincidence. <laughs> so you're saying there's like a Mestris the area and Xerxes the area and they're like in close proximity. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, that's an interesting fun fact. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Trivia. Yeah. <laughs> Trivia is good. Mm -hmm. Um, What I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave now. <laughs> the most enthusiastic thing I've ever said. Uh, we learned that Al can do alchemy without a circle now, as I uh, yeah. questioned last time or whatever it was after he saw his. He saw the little spooky wavy arms. Oh, yeah, that's right. He saw the arms. Yeah, so he saw the thing. He saw the thing, the truth. Mm -hmm. And although it crushed Ed's pride. Um, he's, he was able to fix everything after the fight, so that's good. Mm -hmm. yep. Or at least that's what's implied. We didn't actually see that, but yes. Yeah. And yes, he could do alchemy now without a circle. So, mm -hmm. so I guess seeing the truth does enable you to do that. <laughs> yeah. Actually, remembering it. <laughs> yeah. So an interesting thing that that Al said um, is that everyone thinks that he's just full body auto male. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is that just like a head attached to a prosthetic? Yeah, That's like very sci-fi. When Ed showed up, everyone wanted to dissect him. Yes, because he had a very mysterious, unique type of of auto male. And I'm guessing that that it just was an oversight that the same thing's not happening to Al. But like, I don't know. The fact that it's not does that mean that it's just normal to see full body auto male? Like. <laughs> I think he just makes the assumption that everybody thinks he has full body auto male. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't have the um, come and take advantage of me <laughs> attitude that Ed projects <laughs> when he walks around. That could be. Yeah, Al has a serious armor face. I wouldn't want to mess yeah. with him, would you? That's true. <laughs> also, his auto male is clearly functioning. If, if, that is also true. Whereas Ed is a business opportunity waiting to happen. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know. I wonder if full body auto mail is a thing. Sounds really yeah. bizarre. Although, you know what Greed said? Anything's possible. So <laughs> That's true. Maybe we'll see some in the future. How would you it's like the brain that wouldn't die, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like uh how do you how would you even have full body auto mail? It's so crazy. <laughs> Maybe he it's like they think he's like a torso like Darth Vader, you know? Maybe. Because yeah. Darth Vader had a torso just no limbs right all his limbs were mm -hmm. prosthetic mm -hmm. i guess star wars spoilers should i warn people <laughs> <laughs> i mean but also he needed prosthetics for some of his organs to function properly like the respirator that's true i don't know what else maybe al has so... a respirator you don't know mm -hmm. yeah. nobody's looked inside his armor <laughs> obviously <laughs> mm. i mean essentially darth vader also just wore armor all the time so yeah maybe that mm -hmm. is what it is <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Maybe they're assuming he's like mostly auto male and just like wears armor to cover up the rest of it. You know, his mm. like badly injured body, disfigured yeah. body or whatever. <laughs> yeah. His body burned in the fires of Mustafar. Yes, exactly. You need to stop <laughs> watching Star Wars stuff. I can't. <laughs> I need you to stop. <laughs> we have to be on the same level with our knowledge of pop culture. It can't go. Can't, or now I'm going to have to catch up. One or the other. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe you need to start watching. I can't watch it and then immediately forget every single thing that happened in Star Wars, which is what I do. Like, ooh, the Galactic Senate. Ooh. 
<laughs> you're like, have you even seen Star Wars? You're not convincing me. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, there's a there's a war and some stars. There are stars. <laughs> there is a war. There was, before we started. <laughs> I, I just remember the uh, yeah the um is it achievement hunters where way in the past somewhere else <laughs> it's like it doesn't even say that and they're like yes it does they're all screaming at him it's perfect oh. <laughs> at least i know that it was way in the past somewhere else <laughs> it's a long time ago in, in a galaxy, in far, galaxy away. far far away <laughs> i do like how he's like but they're all humans and it's like they're not necessarily humans. They're just, they could, they just look like humans. They could be humanoid. We don't know. We don't know yeah. what they are. Yes. Anyways, this has been Star Wars break, I guess. I feel like it happens more and more now that you've read every fucking light novel. <laughs> <laughs> light novel. <laughs> they have Star Wars light novels. <laughs> <laughs> you're like that's ridiculous <laughs> no i just love the idea of it <laughs> it's like darth uh darth vader no it's like emperor palpatine but he's like a chippy anime character <laughs> uh <laughs> how do you know there's not star wars light novels google it google it. I, I don't i would not be surprised <laughs> if there were but <laughs> there's like <laughs> i love it <laughs> there's gotta be there can't not be there's <laughs> do you think they do like star wars doujinshi in japan <laughs> star wars doujinshi there's star wars oh, comic books God. right yeah yeah mm -hmm. category <laughs> about like i don't know obi-wan and qui-gon's illicit love affair or something. <laughs> there's one called innocent world should i figure out what it is <laughs> It's an Anakin Palpatine Dojinshi. Yeah. <laughs> it's Yaoi. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, so there's... Okay, to answer your question, there's definitely yes. Star Wars Dojinshi. <laughs> and I definitely found listing of, of it, if you would like. And it looks like a it's lot wonderful. of it it's is wonderful. Yaoi. A lot of it is like Qui-Gon and Anakin. Well, it's most Dojinshi, I think. <laughs> yeah, probably. What were we talking about? Full Metal Alchemist? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we were talking but about Star Wars. Enough. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they use the force to do alchemy. <laughs> I bet there's a uh, doujinshi about that. <laughs> I bet there's definitely crossover fanfiction. Definitely. <laughs> because especially they talked about the like whole chi or whatever and the flow of life in this one. Mm -hmm. Who's ready for another round of esoteric philosophy yeah. stuff that I don't understand after reading Wikipedia for like two hours? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. Sure, yeah, we get a whole other uh, country's philosophy now. I just mm -hmm. looked away from the microphone dramatically inside because <laughs> I was like, I'm so excited. And then I Googled, you asked me to look up the kanji for oh, alch yeah. alchemistry, which is the hardest word to say so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the kanji, so normally, or the alchemy that we've seen so far is uh, Renkinjutsu. Alchemistry is Rentanjutsu. So I just did a sweet Google search for, um, cause like if you, so in Jisho, it's just like alchemy or whatever is the definition of Rentan Jutsu. But basically it's the, uh, 
word for Wikipedia, the Wikipedia article is just called Chinese alchemy. So it's the <laughs> alchemy practice from uh, Taoism. So, or Taoism, I guess I should say properly. Um, <clears throat> so I did a brief, I did a brief read, but I think like they're going to explain in more detail. So what I want to do is wait to talk about, because like we saw, so we saw May do alchemy. So she did it in a different way, which was interesting. So she did still have to draw, like, use some stuff to, like, focus energy. So she drew a pentagram, and then she also threw, uh, you described it as, like, a shuriken, like, blade, but she threw these, like, blades into the ground and then into the object that she was transmuting, which was intriguing. So she also used, like, an aid to channel energy, but in a different mm -hmm. way. And then I noticed on the blade, um, there's, like, a symbol on the, there's, like, ribbons on the blades. Mm -hmm. The symbol looks like an I Ching symbol to me. So yet another esoteric thing that I also don't understand very well. <laughs> so yeah, this is a, this is, if, if a mistress is a analog to like Europe in the, I don't know, early 1900s or whatever that we're seeing in this story so far, mm -hmm. then Sheen would be an analog for China, like you said before. Mm -hmm. So we have essentially like Chinese philosophy and yeah. like medicine. And she is just like. Her circle that we saw her draw is like based around a five pointed star, As which we haven't really seen. Star, I guess. Yeah, which we haven't really seen in the um, the Amestrian alchemy. And I know that like five is an important number in various Chinese mm. philosophies and stuff, mm. like the elements and shit. Yes, right. <laughs> um, it's like again drawing on this uh, like Chinese philosophy and mythology and alchemy for. I guess it's symbolism and how it works, but I think we'll get more of an explanation later. So I want to like hold off a little bit till later. But those are the things that I noticed mm -hmm. specifically about how she did alchemy. They also described like, I mean, they described like the flow of chi a lot. Like they said that Al, they didn't feel it with his body. So they know that he doesn't have a body, I guess. Or that's the implication. <laughs> Can't remember, May didn't talk about that. She just did the thing and saved them. Yeah. And then she peaced did. out. <laughs> yeah. To look for Edward. To go pursue her fantasy version of Edward. <laughs> Which is also important, obviously. But yeah. She seems pretty powerful. Like, she restored the entrance to the mine completely, essentially. Mm -hmm. That seems like Izumi level of power to me. Because Izumi restored the, uh, what was it called? Um, not the dam, but the, the levee for the river mm -hmm. before, yeah. which was quite the, quite the construction. Yeah. So it seems like May's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And her uh, style of alchemy allows her to like do it at a distance, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. That was also interesting. She really didn't have to go up to the before. mine. Yeah. Yes. And it was like she threw like five darts into the ground and drew her circle, and then threw five darts into the um, or knives or whatever into the the Kate the mine, and then like that like drew the same shape on the mine too with the alchemy mm -hmm. lights that we've seen mm -hmm. so far. Yeah. So it's like same effect, but different way of channeling it. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think um, Ling said that alkahestry, as it is referred to in English, which I think is an interesting translation. Oh, we didn't talk about the alkahest mm -hmm. yet. So yeah, alkahest mm -hmm. is, alkahestry isn't really a, a real word until uh, from Alchemist, <laughs> but alkahest is a concept. Um, it's another another hit from our boy Paracelsus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I saw that in the Wikipedia article. Yeah. <laughs> our boy. Um, it's, it's the theoretical universal solvent. Which was another kind of like, kind the of like alchemist. grand goal of alchemy, like uh, like the philosopher's stone. 
like something that was like sought after mm-hmm. in the study of alchemy. And it was considered um, valuable be- because they thought it would be really useful for um, its medicinal qualities. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an interesting uh, choice for the translation since they're talking about how like the the Shin version of uh, alchemy is more focused on uh, medical purposes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That middle character that's different, Dan, like uh, mm-hmm. Ren, or Tan, Ren Tanjutsu. Tan is like, uh, the kanji means like cinnabar. It, I mean, it also means like elixir or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, or like the color red, because obviously it's associated with cinnabar. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. I'm just looking back at the, because like, I think also, so in my very brief reading about Chinese alchemy, the the focus seemed to be also on health, mm-hmm. aligning your body with the forces of chi. Mm-hmm. So, but also this, it says like the consumption of and uses of various concoctions known as alchemical medicines or elixirs, which had different purposes and were largely concerned with immortality. So also like kind of the same goal, but in a different way. So. I also think I saw that like, I think like alcohex and elixir come from like similar roots, like from like the Arabic word. Oh, cool. There, apparently there's like a bunch of universal things. This is kind of related, but unrelated, <laughs> slightly unrelated. <laughs> but there were a bunch of like universal things that were sought after for alchemy. So obviously like the Philosopher's Stone is like the universal... The universal catalyst, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. The alkahest is the universal solvent, but there's also something the, called the azoth, which was considered to be a universal medication or solvent. Mm-hmm. Azoth is related to the einsoth, which is the ultimate substance of Kabbalah. That's when I saw this, and I was like, mm-hmm. no, it's come back to haunt me. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of interesting. Like, I didn't realize there was more than one, like, ultimate substance that alchemists were looking for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it seems like basically, essentially, in, like, Chinese alchemy then they're also seeking like similar things, but through like a different method. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, very intriguing. I think more to come on this. <laughs> yeah. Cause I want to know how they do their alchemy. I mean, we just saw it a little bit, but I'm very intrigued. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is what I was like kind of alluding to when we went on our big tangent about like religion and alchemy, <laughs> about how we'll see like kind of other cultures takes on it. Mm-hmm. So It's also interesting in this chapter mm-hmm. or these two chapters at the end of this, we saw Scar again. And we also got a little yeah. bit more about Ishvala and the religion of Ishval, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. or I guess in this case, it's religion. It's probably also like philosophy. But he said that he cast away his name because of the belief is that Ishvala bestowed all their names on Ishvalans, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's interesting how you have like multiple sort of like approaches. So Arakawa has taken multiple approaches from um, like so far what we've seen is like Eastern and Western philosophy, you know, like... Uh, Taoism and mm-hmm. um you know like western occult philosophy i guess and religion mm-hmm. yeah. christianity yeah. and kabbalah that we've seen so far but also in this story we have ishval and ishvala so she's also kind of like added her own religion and philosophy into the mix too which is kind of cool mm-hmm. so we get a bit of a different take on the same well, things i guess from multiple people multiple points and of then view. there was the god leto Oh, yeah. From... He was a scam. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, isn't that an, well, I mean, wasn't that an actual religion that they just, like, climbed the church and um, kind of took advantage of it? Uh, he was, he was, um, I guess, Corne- Father name? Cornello. Corn- Father Castle. Cornelius. <laughs> Father <laughs> Cornello was really, uh, I mean, I think he was really a priest and then maybe he was manipulated. Like, I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's not super clear on whether they, he created the religion wholesale or if it was just like a little like small old local religion that he kind of like 
revitalized and turned mm. into a, a cult. terrible cult. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he basically had a cult. So it was like formed, mm. framed as a religion when Ed and Al show up, but it was more of a cult, especially with the way that he was treating Rosé. So yeah. yeah, I don't know about all the followers. The rest of the followers seemed like regular people. He hadn't moved on to the step of like isolating them completely from society yet or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but he was using them to gain power. So it's not like it was really a religion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not really clear where that came from, how long it had, he had been preaching or like how the homunculi got involved, I guess. Yeah. And also not necessarily why. <laughs> we still don't really know why. <laughs> yeah. By the way, one other little detail with the characters from Shin, which is probably more obvious in the original Japanese, um, but they sometimes speak in their own language to each other. Mm-hmm. Oh. And you can see it in like the shape of the word bubbles, and I think they're I think they're um they're the characters are written horizontally when uh, in the Let original Japanese. I didn't oh. notice because I only looked up certain things and I didn't see that part. Mm -hmm. I didn't look at that part where they're talking to each other. Mm -hmm. They say they do one thing that I did notice in their dialogue is that the particles that they use at the end of their speech are almost always written in katakana instead of hiragana. So that's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I think it's just supposed to indicate like a speech impediment or whatever. I also didn't look at the time where he's like, oh, I mean, you know, speak this language or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I should look at that. Yeah. Well, Al, Al mentions that he has an accent when he first asks where he's from. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that that's what the uh, particle thing is supposed to imply. Yeah. Okay, wait, here's their talk. Oh, it is horizontal. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. The shape of the dialogue box is slightly different. Yeah, they're more like squat rather than like vertical they're... like the other ones. Yeah, we probably just don't notice because it's always horizontal in yeah, English. Yeah, it's hard to tell with yeah, it's harder to tell in English, but you can still see it in the shape of the word bubbles. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I see it. One thing I noticed about Japanese manga in general is they use, like, often, uh, like, more different fonts are used and different, like, styles of lettering and stuff. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know why that is. Like, maybe it's just production time in English or whatever. Like, but it's just, like, you literally never see different fonts. I mean, unless it's, like, a gag. Yeah. But mm -hmm. they use different texts all the time. Yeah. For for people speaking in different ways, which is really intriguing to me. But yeah, like most, of, you can see it most clearly when they're all talking to each other at the end. But you can also see it when like uh, the two bodyguards are just thinking to themselves that they're thinking in their own language. So it's got mm -hmm. the the same shape <laughs> word bubbles. And then when he leaves, um, when he's saying like "Mino, speak this language" or whatever, um, <laughs> it does all the things that would normally be in hiragana or in katakana. So there's a couple kanji that are there, but all the rest is in katakana. So yeah. <laughs> the implication for sure. Yeah. I love the. That's <laughs> such a funny thing that it's like he's very much established as being completely fluent. <laughs> yes. And he's just like, <laughs> Bye. like playing it up as he leaves <laughs> to yeah. get out of Play the foreigner the card. For anything. Playing the foreigner card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, just getting out of any trouble at all while he hops yeah. away with like a yeah. <laughs> inhuman <laughs> like ability. Mm -hmm. No, that is really interesting. I didn't notice that. Yeah. I like it as like a like as a visual cue and also just as like a nice detail that like obviously they'd be speaking their own language to each other and not yeah mm, yeah of course not a mestrian because why would they yeah it must be hard to represent that kind of thing in um, a static medium yeah do they speak they don't I mean they wouldn't speak a different language but do they speak in a different way in the anime I guess I could look I've never watched it I'm not sure yeah I think so I don't think they would I mean they would have to probably yeah, I don't think Japanese. they do in the dub I'm not sure if they do anything. Like with the way they talk in Japanese or not. I don't know. It's like how they were saying that when we were watching the Furuba anime, when we just speak Japanese with a German accent, mm -hmm. which is like impossible mm -hmm. for me to hear 
in Japanese, but then obviously the voice actor in English also speaks with a German accent, which we can hear. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> mm. yeah, I don't know. Anyway, just interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. I was just curious. Yeah, I don't know. It'd probably be hard to adapt. For, yeah. Yeah. And they talk about like important things, like <laughs> that, like it's important for the audience to understand. Yes. <laughs> You know about how great Alka history is and about how there's something wrong with this country. Something's rotten in the <laughs> state of a mistress. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. He does seem seriously concerned, which is nice after his like being super weird and crazy. Mm -hmm. I like how uh, Al found Ling and acted like a kitten. Like he had a kitten <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, well, what are you gonna do? Shove him in your armor? <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like put him back. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's like, You're so mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yeah, and he also has his guards. We don't know their names yet. There's the girl, mm -hmm. who's a badass, obviously, and the dude, mm -hmm. who's also a badass. Yeah. Yeah, there's, like, a girl who seems around, like, yeah, young. at Nal's age, and then the... Older uh, dude? The man seems older. He seems to have, like, white hair. Yes. Yeah. It's certainly implied that he's older, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, a, and a killer mustache. I called them goons in my notes. He does have a killer mustache. I don't think they're mm -hmm. goons, but that's what I called them. <laughs> Yeah, I was like going through this. I'm like, do they really not name them yet? No. Um, I yeah, think they yeah. named them at like the beginning of the next chapter. Yeah. So I'm like, damn it, I can't call them by their names yet. We haven't read it yet, but at the beginning of the next chapter, there's like a special colored thing where Ed gives, uh, replaces the girl's mask <laughs> with a really gaudy yeah. one, which is great. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, is this part it's of this like... chapter? I don't think so, but I'm going to read it anyway because it's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's terrible like aesthetic choices. Mm -hmm. It's like one of my favorite running gags. <laughs> oh, on their masks, another, speaking of another like piece of, uh, like, I guess Chinese visual language or imagery or culture that one has a yin sign and one has a yang sign. I can't remember oh. which one is which. But yeah, if you look back at their armor, one's uh, got the, you know, paisley up and one has the paisley down. <laughs> I forget which way yeah. it is. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense because I'm pretty sure the girl has um, the yin sign and that's like the feminine sign. Oh, too. that would make Ooh. sense. Oh, and basically, essentially, what happens is he harasses Ed and Al until he asks if he can follow them around. So yeah. it's like, oh, these two people seem knowledgeable. I have my goons chase them, and then I've decided to follow them around until I find the philosopher's stone. <laughs> He's like, I guess the easiest thing to do is just to like follow them and have them tell me yeah. about it. Otherwise, I'll just take it. It's like, what? <laughs> mm -hmm. That plan doesn't make sense yeah. at all. <laughs> he's trying to be polite, <laughs> but he's a he's a prince, so he's spoiled or whatever. Mm -hmm. I like how he's like like trying to intimidate them, and then by the end, he's like, "Well, we're friends, right?" <laughs> and Ed is like, "Go home." <laughs> I loved his extremely annoyed and angry face when he yeah. was like, "I want to go to Central too," and he was like, "Don't." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes Ed has really great expressions, and I love it. That was mm -hmm. fun. I still love how he like immediately like gets extra pissed off when he's like flirting with. Yeah, Larry. of course. <laughs> yeah. Because they're in love, obviously. Like, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. What were you going to say, Cos? Oh, uh, when I think Ed's like, I never said I was treating you. And Link <laughs> says, uh, oh, don't sweat about the small things. That look Ed gives afterwards is truly terrifying. <laughs> it's on That's page 68. Oh, page numbers. Bless. <laughs> Bless. <laughs> <laughs> I love a page number. 68 there it is <laughs> he's like a duck mouth a horrifying yeah, duck mouth it's terrifying <laughs> i like ling's uncanny grin also where he's like i'm looking for the philosopher's stone oh, and he yeah. has like the evil grin that we've seen many a time mm -hmm. which is why i said he's like the fear 
I also love this panel that I, I didn't mention in the summary because I have no idea how to summarize it. But like after the second time, uh, Ed comes back with his arm broken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like pixelated. <laughs> well, oh. no, the panel like when, when he's like chasing him the with the chainsaw on the beach, <laughs> but it's like portrayed as if it's like a romantic. Yes. Like, <laughs> and like scene. Al's a dog. He's like a dog yeah. with an owl head. And it has like a, it has them like with smiles and being like, haha, catch me if you can. Yes. Teehee, come back here. But she's chasing him with the chainsaw. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how you would describe that. It's something that can only yeah. be understood visually. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then the scene after he's pixelated in the background, which also made yeah. me laugh. Mm-hmm. And then Panadia's like poking him with a stick. Yes. <laughs> I like when Al's also leaving. When he's like, "Look, you made a friend," and he's like out the door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny. But then with with May as well, she has some really good uh, faces. She with, does, especially yeah. when she's fawning over Ed. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's, like, I think about to catch the train. Yeah. Wait that for one. me, Master Edward. It's like uh, it's like the fading into the train. Also, like, very mm-hmm. romantic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the panda and... is also pining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the panda, also... 90% of the, the panda is just doing whatever she's doing, which is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except for when there's heavy drinking to be done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The people are staring in horror at the tiny panda drinking like a whole pint, <laughs> chugging a pint. Genius alchemist Edward Elric, sophisticated, really tall, sparkling yeah. personality. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a little note underneath that panel that says, "Who's this supposed to be?" A good question. Uh, it, on on the panel where the uh, uh, panda is is drinking. <laughs> There's a guy with a face on his stomach. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that, but it was so bizarre when I read it the first time. <laughs> Do you think it's just, like, he's super drunk and he drew that on himself, or does he have a tattoo, face tattoo on his gut? <laughs> I assumed he drew it, or one of his buddies drew it on him, because sure. he's super drunk. <laughs> it's a huge party that's happening. Yeah. Yes, there is a guy with a face on his stomach, and it's a hilarious face. <laughs> It's like his nipples are the pupils of the eyes. It's really strange and hilarious. <laughs> Did we say that Ling is the prince already? I forget if we finished talking about him. Yeah. He's the prince. That's why he has his, like, goons. Ninja goons. And why he's telling Ed and they can rule a country together yeah, that's if they become his servants. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, I assume, why he's so demanding. that They pay his bill and tell him everything mm-hmm. immediately. Or maybe it's just his personality. Yeah. Could be both. Yeah, probably a little bit of both. <laughs> so something I noticed, well, actually two things, and they both relate to Scar. Yeah, I feel like that's who's left. Yeah. Scar. Um, so, I mean, the main thing is that it, I think it's just interesting that Scar came up as a huge threat in, what, like chapter 10, somewhere around there? Yeah. Or no, it was... Pretty early. Yeah, it's really early. And, like, you think mm-hmm. that he's going to be a huge threat or this huge deal, and, like... He's more or less laid low for, you know, another 15 chapters, 20 he's, chapters, something like that. I mean, He still has the bandage on his chest. He's got the bandage on his chest. Yeah. He had his fight with Gluttony, and then, like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's interesting that um, they kind of showed him off, made him this big deal, and now we're just kind of waiting for him to be t- t- back in action, I guess. I don't know. It's just an interesting, I guess, long game. Yeah, and he's kind of been having like his own storyline now. It's like he's uh, mm-hmm. yeah. like he's introduced as like just a villain, but now he's like kind of a side character. He yeah. seemed to be the villain. 
at first. Mm-hmm. The fight, the fight in Central with Ed and Al was like six or seven with Scar. Yeah, because it's right after the uh, the Nina stuff. That's yep. right. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thought we were just supposed to be sad about Hughes. <laughs> yeah, it would have been it would have been six or seven. Um, that it was, was a chapter right after the Nina stuff because yeah. that ended with him um, mercy killing oh, uh, right. the Nina Chimera, and then um, like the next chapter, while well, Ed and Al are um, you know crying in the rain over uh, it, um, that's right. <laughs> Scar comes up on them. Nina was killed in chapter five. Nina was in chapter five, so really quite early on. But you're right; he hasn't done anything for a while. And he does seem to have a parallel story. It seemed like his goal, he was going to be the villain. Mm-hmm. But that was before the Fuhrer came around. Yeah. And now I think we know who the main villain is. Or at least who's on the villain team. Or I don't even know. Maybe they're not even the main villain. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're the Team Rocket and we're still waiting for a Mewtwo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Pokemon movie reference. <laughs> is Mewtwo a villain or is he an anti-hero? <laughs> yes, because I think he's more of a tragic. Uh, he he goes from like villain to like tragic hero. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the Fear will be a tragic hero. We'll never know. I mean, we'll know at the end, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Scar hasn't been around for a while. What was the second thing that you noticed? <laughs> well, actually, three uh, three things. Because as you're talking about this, well, so um, I studied the Aeneid and like. Roman literature in high school and college. Uh-huh. And there was the Hero's Epic, I think is what it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's uh, oftentimes it is a story of the the hero. Um, I, the important part is that, um, <laughs> well, cause I, I'm trying to remember all the details of it, but the, the what I remember is um, they kind of have to, to, shed their hit their their past and move forward yeah so they have to leave things behind as they accept their destiny it's just like the hero's journey or something different uh probably but um you know there's there's scar forsaking his name and his sort of his god and everything that he's left that he has in order to complete his journey and i don't know how well those two correlate but uh, i thought about it yes i think i agree with you he does have kind of a it has a greek tragedy vibe (laughs) his story the hero's journey is beyond i guess but this is like you're saying at some point in the story there needs to be sort of like a rebirth yeah and they need to change their identity Mm mm-hmm The interesting thing about Scar is that it does remind me of, like, some of the, you know, like, Greek tragedies and myths where he, he's purposely, he's, like, physically disfigured, he has cast off his identity, and he's, you know, singularly driven by this, like, purpose, whatever Mm -hmm. his purpose is. You could interpret the, like, sewers, I mean, I don't know, we don't know how far, I don't know where we're going with this story at this point, but... (laughs) the hero's journey also normally has that like hell part where they have to go through hell or whatever. Yeah. You could maybe mm-hmm. interpret the sewer as that. He's beyond that. I mean, or yes. a... yeah. <laughs> I feel like he is on a hero's journey. He has like the most straightforward kind of story. Like, I don't know. I mean, that we've seen so far, he has a mission. 
he's going through trials. Ed and Al, mm-hmm. I guess they have that. They're constantly getting like beat up and whatever, but it's just not as, I think it's not as straightforward. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Maybe Scar will be the hero in the end. I like that he's a indentured Yoki. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was truly the best thing that happened in this chapter. <laughs> yeah. I love the bad things keep happening to Yoki. I don't know if indentured is the right word, but yes. Yeah. And they were both like kicked out of the camp. He was kicked out of the camp. Gosh, it's so. like, it's your own fault, dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you brought this on yourself, buddy. Also, um, mm-hmm. Scar's cracking the walnuts because he can't lift a makeshift barbell made out of like concrete and rebar. Yeah. Like he was in the camp. <laughs> But yeah, he does still have his bandage, so I I find that like interesting. Yeah, really. He probably is. <laughs> you know, he'll be like, can I have one? He'll be like, keep driving. <laughs> <laughs> he says, like, if I can't turn back from my past, then I must take everything that God has bestowed upon me and cast it all away. Mm-hmm. It does have mm-hmm. a very, like, Greek mythology. Yeah. <laughs> the gods, I've forsaken the gods, and they've forsaken me vibe. So. Yeah. yeah. And it does seem to be, like, indirect response to, like, what to like his conversation with his old teacher that we saw a mm-hmm. few chapters ago. Mm-hmm. He was trying to get him to turn away from this path. Mm-hmm. And everything. He's like, no. He's like, I can't, so I will I will throw away everything God has given me. I think me. you should read all of his lines in a super um, melodramatic <laughs> voice from now on, just like we just did. <laughs> like he's in a, like, you know, 1950s drama movie or whatever. Mm. <laughs> or like a high school production of a Shakespeare Yeah, play. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Out damn spot, out I say. <laughs> Hell is murky. Fire, fire. <laughs> For some reason, when I was reading this, I was like, "Oh, something's rotten in the state of Denmark," just like in Macbeth. And then I was like, "Wait a minute, that's not in Macbeth." <laughs> <That's> in Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, something was rotten in in the uh, fire in um whatever Inverness too. So <laughs> <laughs> it's good. All the all the classic literature is blending together. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm out of things to say for once. <laughs> so I had one last thing, which I also looked up a bit more. Um, so you did more than two hours of research on the I Ching. Like I did. Oh no, no, no. It oh. was like, it was like 30 seconds. Still. <laughs> um, so you see Ed again, use scars technique, I think to break uh, oh, the, mask. the mask. Yeah. Mm. But I noticed that he used his left hand for that, which I think scar uses his right. Mm. And so that got me thinking. And I don't remember the last time he used it. Because I remember he uses it one other time. I don't remember against two. But I looked. But my other question was can he use his right hand for alchemy? Does he have to make contact with his left? Because I remember him using like two hands. Yeah, the reason he did it the first time was because his his arm was broken. Wasn't his auto mail broken? When Renry forgot the screw. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he did it the first time because he oh, he, he could do it with I... his one hand. Because like they well, said, he said that after seeing, uh, Izumi said that they, they yes. asked about, Ed and Al asked about her not using a transmutation circle. And she said, it's like my hands are the circle when I close them. Yeah. So well, I think he I'm... has to have both. He has to have like facility. Yeah, I think he both. did. Yeah, he has to make the circle, but I'm not sure it matters which hand. Well, uh, I, I looked in the greed fight. He was able to do it. Um, he did just yeah. make contact with his auto mail hand. But against, uh, do we learn their names? The slicer. Yeah, that was the that, time. Now there are no names. That the was slicers. the other time. <laughs> the, and sl- that... the slicer and Barry the Trapper. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the slicer bros. We call them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think this time he just used it because he had to. He was using it on his automel like shoulder. So yeah. Oh, so he just did oh, it with one hand to break it. Yeah, because you can see in his little flashback, he puts his hands together like he yeah, puts I was his. Wondering how he yeah. disconnected it. Yeah, he puts his hand to his broken automel hand and then uses that to. Break it. Like use alchemy to, yeah. to break it yeah, off. Yeah, I was wondering yeah. about that. I didn't look at it super closely because I was like, how do you actually mm -hmm. did you just like disconnect it from the shoulder or whatever? That seems like it'd be really painful though. So maybe yeah. he used alchemy mm -hmm. to. I guess he, you're saying he used alchemy to break it. Yeah, there's like a little flashback when he's explaining it, yes. and yeah. you see him like he like uses alchemy to make the little snare, yeah. and then he puts his hands together and uses alchemy on his shoulder to tear the arm off, mm -hmm. like a gecko. Yes, at least kind of neat that like. Like the reason he's doing all that, he says it's Automail's an operative, and you can see like it's it like goes by pretty fast. But uh, the girl throws her, one of her knives into yeah, right. his Automail mm -hmm. arm, which like severs some of the the, the wiring, which is why it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it wasn't working that great in the first place, but yeah, she severed. All yeah, the it was already damaged. <laughs> yes, I guess people are used to fighting people with Automail and armor and stuff. Everybody yeah. always comments mm -hmm. on it. Yeah, it mostly seems to catch people by surprise, like when it's covered and like. Mostly seems to catch people off guard when they don't realize it's there. Like, because yeah. he's usually wearing long sleeves and gloves. Mm -hmm. But like when he met uh, Ling and company, he was just like in a like short sleeve shirt. So wearing his, yeah. his customary sleeveless tank top. Yes. <laughs> um, the only one who noticed was Izumi because she was like, "Don't you didn't think that I would notice that your footsteps sound different?" Because <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Izumi's a superhero. Yeah, mm -hmm. she is. <laughs> I also love how uh, it's just just something else. I know it's not really related to this. Um, at the end of the chapter, because like the girl is like, "Give me back my mask!" After Ed broke it, and then like at the end of the chapter, she's like trying to hold up like part of her, mm -hmm. like of her face, it's like she's like self conscious without it. Mm. Yeah, it's very interesting. I wonder what her deal is, but yeah, mm -hmm. she's kind of like her mouth is definitely covered. It's like she's mm -hmm. trying to kind of like hide in her like shirt or her armor or whatever that mm -hmm. she's wearing. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> she seems likable. Mm -hmm. Because she's obviously badass, as I stated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I enjoy her a lot as a character going forward. No spoilers, but <laughs> so, like, I'm really excited about like going forward from here on out. Because like, like I said, this is like the big turning point, and so like you start mm -hmm. to get like characters that never appeared in the first anime, and yeah, it's manga it's territory totally now and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a little uh, figurine of Ling. You had a figurine of Ling? That's yeah. funny. Mm. I bought it early on because it's one of the first like manga only. Uh, like merchandise I found mm. like back when it was pretty rare still before Brotherhood came out. Mm. I was like, oh, there's a little Ling figurine. He had like his little sword. Look out at and him, stuff. it's Ling. I'm sure, I still have him somewhere. He's just not currently <laughs> on the desk. Although my Winry figurine is. Oh. What was your event 2018? Did you find any FMA merch? Um, yeah, I, remember, I, have, I was just thinking about it the other day. I have those cute little washcloths that were like, they're like Sanrio versions of like Fulman Alchemist characters. What? That's adorable. <laughs> I've got one that's got the uh, the Shin characters and one that's got like Ryan and Risa, like in the rain. Aww. They were cute. Oh, <laughs> that's adorable. <laughs> oh, this one has Ed sitting on a bean. <laughs> <laughs> it's an appropriate scale for him. <laughs> okay. Well, so we say goodbye then, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> what are we reading next time? Uh, we are reading chapters 34, 35, and 36. Whoa. Yeah. That is exciting because <laughs> I want to read more of this, but I had to stop myself. I yeah, started reading it already, as I mentioned before. I read too far. I know. I just I, I got somewhere the, to the end of the chapter. I was like, okay, I'll read the last chapter. And I looked. I was like, wait, I already finished and read an extra <laughs> chapter already? Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, we're coming up on a 
the exciting part that yeah yeah is very compelling it's hard to put it down i remember reading that that section the first time anyway i'm excited should be fun yeah you're saying that in a way that's making me (laughs) trepidatious (laughs) are we can we look forward to more child dismemberment (laughs) always (laughs) (laughs) they're going to central to say thank you yeah (laughs) oh don't remind me (laughs) I forgot about that. I was just excited <laughs> to get to know the the Sheen people more. Mm-hmm. So there's some of that. But so yeah, uh, chapter thirty four through thirty six next week. Uh, thanks for uh, sticking around and <laughs> listening to us this week through all our rambling. <laughs> yeah, as usual. Yep. Uh, we will see you guys next week. See you next week. See you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>